like a skinny fat girl. My name is Katrina, but people call me KT. And I'm here to talk about all things mental health. I began my mental health journey about four years ago when I had weight loss surgery. And in sharing my story in different forms with with people and friends and family, I realized that I have a story to tell. So. All right, Life of a Skinny Fat Girl is back from a brief hiatus. We're going to try something different this time. Um, and what I mean by different is uh, I am not going to do any editing. I am going to just talk straight through. So you're probably going to hear, you know, where I make mistakes or things don't sound quite cohesive. Or maybe my thoughts aren't as well put together as I would like. You're going to hear it here live, I guess is what you would call it. It's recorded, but it's live for me. Uh, my therapist and I discussed it, and, and due to uh, my, uh, my I, I can get a little obsessive about things being perfect or sounding the right way, or all of that. We think it's good for my good for my journey here to to not do any edits because I can go a bit down a rabbit hole, which she is not wrong. My big bear one, you probably couldn't tell I had edited it quite a bit. Um, more than the first one, so we're gonna try it. With that being said, uh, how's everybody doing? Uh, I know you're probably wondering why it took me so long to, to get another one out. I know I said I was gonna deliver every two weeks, and I had about a two-week delay. So we can kind of talk about what happened, uh, uh, you know, why. Uh, why I had that delay. So really the first two weeks, that Sunday, I mean, I'm just going to keep it honest with you. I, uh, I went and hung out with some friends the night before on Saturday. I usually do my podcast on Sundays because that's my day of, day of rest, you know, based on, uh, I'm not a hugely religious person, but the Lord does say on the seventh day they rest. And so on the seventh day of the week, I rest. Um, and I do my podcast and my art and things like that. But it just so happens the week that I was supposed to do my podcast, I went over to some friends, hung out with a friend of mine who came in uh, from Los Angeles. She's a beautiful person. Spent some time with her. Had a few too many, few too many drinks. And for those of you that know me, you know, I, I, can, I can handle my liquor, but... Uh, when I can't handle my liquor, that's dangerous. You know, that's a, it, it's, a, it's a problem. And uh, I did not handle my liquor well that, that Saturday. And so was pretty hungover on Sunday. Wasn't able to do the things I enjoy to do on Sunday. Which, on one hand, you know, you want to be able to live your life and you want to you wanna have a good time. Uh, you know, at least I do. One thing that's always been a balance for me is having a good time and, and then that good time, you know, impacting other areas of my life. So um, I think I, I don't know how much I've talked about it. I, I think I, I've talked about it a little bit I, about who I am and, and um, me having an addiction. So 
you know, let's just talk about it. So um, I am a recovering drug addict. Uh, I started doing drugs when I was 10 years old. I started smoking marijuana at 10. Um, not like, and when I say smoking marijuana, I'm not saying like, oh, I, I, was, I was getting high every day. Um, but I was smoking marijuana at 10. Uh, I escalated to, I did marijuana off and on, like nothing major uh, until I was like 14. And then 14, I started drinking. Um, I grew up in a family of um, where drinking was regular with a lot of the folks in my life. My mom and my father didn't drink. My mom doesn't drink at all. She doesn't do any drugs or drink. My father did drink. Um, I wouldn't necessarily call him an alcoholic. Uh, my dad was a drug addict. He's, uh, he's been on crack for cocaine, cr cocaine and crack since I was 10. So correlation there that I started smoking weed when I was 10 to cope with that relationship. Um, now I see the, the reasons why, but I didn't really understand then. My father did smoke weed. That's how I got the weed. I stole weed from him. Uh, the rest of my mother's side of the family, who were around, I grew up mainly around my mother's side of the family, uh, they were all heavy drinkers. Um, my great aunt, my great uncle, my cousins, all heavy drinkers. Um, in Alaska, a lot of people were heavy drinkers, especially in the wintertime. There wasn't much to do around there, but to have house parties. So I grew up in that kind of culture where alcohol was normalized. I mean, and drinking heavy, heavy amounts, large amounts of alcohol was normalized. It wasn't a big thing. I probably had my first drink. I don't even remember when I had my first drink. My, my, my father gave me beer, I think, when I was like five, when I was like under the age of probably even younger than that, maybe not, but definitely by five. And then, you know, at holidays, they would allow us to, to have a drink. And I'm not saying like a bunch of drinks, but you know, we were allowed to have like champagne or we were allowed to have a drink. I didn't actually grow up really liking alcohol. It, it, it wasn't my first thing. It, it still isn't. Um, I'm not a big, when I drink, I drink a lot. I have a very high tolerance. Um, but I don't necessarily have to drink. My drug of choice uh, after, after, so I told you guys I started smoking weed, so 14 I started drinking. Um, same age I started doing meth, um, methamphetamines. It was really prominent where I grew up in San Diego, um, methamphetamines. Uh, I started, like I said, when I was 14. Um, did it a little bit, not, not a ton when I was 14. I got really heavy into it um, when I was 17, 18. That's when I really got into meth. And I did meth, sold meth, uh, lived with drug dealers um, who sold meth. Um, I stayed for a little while with a, with a guy. It was kind of a, it was a meth, you know. They have crack houses, they have meth houses in El Cajon, where I grew up, and I stayed in a meth house, basically, where um, this gentleman had um, his 
meth delivered from from across the border and he sold the meth out of the house and and he was my dealer i bought large quantities of meth from him and then sold it to people uh to support my drug habit that uh, i did that for about geez probably from the age of 17 18 i wasn't as heavy with it in high school dealing as i did after i graduated when i turned 18 I would say 18 to about, well, when I got pregnant with my son. So about four years. I sold meth at, at one level or another. Um, I still had a job. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a, what do you call it, a functioning addict. I've never, like, had to live in the streets or not had a place of my own to go, whether it be my own home or my mother's home. Uh, you know, I lived off and on with my mom, but when I was really heavily on drugs and I didn't have my own place, I would, I would stay at people's houses. I mean, who doesn't want the drug dealer staying at their house, you know, for a couple, couple lines, I could help somebody out. So I'm not proud of that lifestyle at all. I always knew that it wasn't what I should be doing. My mom, I put my mom and my, my family and my brother um, through a lot. They had to come find me at times. Um, you know, I would disappear, not be in contact. You got to remember this isn't back in the day when there weren't cell phones everywhere and we had pagers. And, you know, if I didn't feel like talking to my family, if I was really on a, on a major binge, uh, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't go around. I wouldn't answer the phone calls. I wouldn't show up. Um, my son is actually, who this is gonna be hard. Um, my son is actually who saved my life and made me become the person that I am today. I always had it in me. I guess now when I look back, I realize that I always had it in me to, to be this person. I was always top of the class. I, I always excelled. I, I could have went to school on um, scholarships. I actually got offered a scholarship to a couple of uh, HBCUs when I, uh, two HBCUs when I was um, in high school just based off my SAT scores. I had like a almost 1300 SAT score. So, you know, I've always been a pretty intelligent individual, um, but my demons and, and the way I grew up, um, the childhood trauma, the abuse, uh, that's, that really overtook my life in my, in my early 20s. And uh, then I got pregnant with my son. And that was a, an interesting situation. Uh, I never wanted kids. Kids were never something that I wanted to have. I, I grew up raising my, um, helping to raise my, my two um, cousins, James and Julian. I love them to death, rest in peace. James Muldrow. Um, and so I never wanted kids because uh, I never wanted to do to my kids what was done to me. Um, I didn't want to have that type of responsibility because I, I really, in my mind, it, it, you have to really take raising another person seriously um, and you can really screw people up. You can really screw up somebody's life. You can really mess with their heads. And uh, I just did not think I was a 
uh, I was in a place where that was possible. And then, sorry, I'm crying. Uh, then I had my son. And uh, having my son was uh, a blessing from God. And I, I don't take that lightly. Um, he truly saved my life. Um, he gave me purpose. Um, I, was in a, I was in a pretty bad place at the time that I found out I was pregnant with my son. I actually did not know that I was pregnant with my son for the first three months uh, because of the lifestyle that I was living. And so when I found out I was pregnant with my son, I was extremely worried that I was going to, that he was going to come out addicted to drugs or some type of mental issues or, or whatever, you know, anything that could happen to a, to a baby who grows up or, or who's um, conceived and the mother continues to do drugs and alcohol, particularly in the first trimester. I, as soon as I found out I was pregnant with my son, I quit cold turkey. Never touched anything after that date um, till after he was born. Um, and it was the first time in a long time that I had not had some type of drug or alcohol. In fact, I would tell you that that's the longest period in my life those six months outside of when I had weight loss surgery, that I, that was the longest period of time in my life that I went without drugs and alcohol. Uh, I did not have a good pregnancy, as you can imagine. <laughs> One, I'm uh, detoxing. And then two, uh, I was extremely nauseous. I had really, really bad morning sickness. Um, it was horrible. I lost about... I mean, the one good thing that happened is it was like weight loss surgery. I lost about 60 pounds when I was pregnant with my son. But when he came out, like, I just knew when I saw him that, because I was worried that, like, I was going to have this baby, and then he's going to come, and I'm not going to feel anything. Because I had really spent uh, a lot of my time, the years prior to my son, numbing myself um, against feeling for people and things and, and um, all of that stuff. And so I was really concerned that I was not going to have that connection with my son that, you know, um, just I didn't expect anything good to come of it. And, and what actually came of it was the best thing in my entire life. He gave me purpose. Um, I saw his little face. And I just said, God, like, is there nothing that I won't do for this kid? And it's funny, my friend Tammy always laughs because when she first met my son, uh, when I first started, talk, you know, hanging out with her and I worked for her, I would call him the kid. She's, and to this day, she says, how's the kid doing? Um, because that's part of why, like, how I, I saw him is, you know, he's this kid, not just like he's my kid, he's this kid. And uh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do whatever it takes to make sure that he doesn't turn out like me. That's all I thought about. Was whatever you do, Katrina, you can't have this kid turn out like you. You can't have him um, grow up with with um, the mental abuse that you went through, 
the physical abuse that you went through, um, the emotional abuse that you went through, and without being said, the sexual abuse that I went through. So, um, and I, I feel I was successful. I mean, you guys heard in my first podcast, I talked about who am I, what does it mean to me, um, what, what do I mean to myself, and being a mother is something that I fully, fully enjoyed, um, enjoy still uh, seeing my son become the man that he is today, knowing that I helped mold that and shape that and, and influence that. And um, it's, it's the proudest, it's the proudest feeling. It's, it makes me, it brings me joy. Um, and always has, even in some of the darker times that I've had since then. I did relapse after I had my son. I relapsed about five years after I had my son on meth. I never quit smoking weed. Um, I mean, I have quit smoking weed at times in my life, but that wasn't one of them. After I had him, I went right back to smoking weed, but I did quit meth. Uh, I'd stopped doing meth for about five years, and I started doing it when he when he turned about four or five years old, my husband and I were going through some very difficult times in our marriage, and I relapsed. And uh, I relapsed for about two years. And then I moved to Las Vegas, and I have not had any meth since. So I have been clean off of methamphetamines for, geez, my son's 24 now, so 18 years, which is a, a blessing in itself. Because that is a that is a drug that will chew you up and spit you out. So what, you know, what what was the point of that? I, I'm getting to my, you know, I want to keep these to 20 minutes. I think I'm going to do two parts. You know, this will be the first part. Um, so this will be my third podcast. Uh, so what really am I trying to say by telling you that story and telling you um, something that's very very personal? Um, one, never be afraid to own who you are and what you've done. Being accountable can be scary, but it also can be um, freeing because I no longer hold guilt behind what I've done in my life in, in that area, how I lived, and in, in the things that I did. Now, does that mean I'm proud of them? No, not proud of it. Um, but I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it. I've I've made my I've, I've made my amends. I've uh, you know forgiven myself, and I've been able to move forward and and show that you know you can put your you know anytime you put your mind to something, you can make it happen. And you know I woke up one day, found out I was pregnant, and said I don't want this life anymore. I can't do this. I can't do this to my son. I can't do this to myself. And so uh, here I am. Now, there's a lot of stuff that went on in between then and now. Um, you know, I have relapsed um, twice, uh, once on meth, once on coke. Uh, but I've survived, and that's what's key, is I survived. And I think that's what's more important than anything else in life is that you just keep going. Um, you make mistakes, you own them, you become accountable. 
and then you, you move on. I also think love, uh, unconditional love, you just can't replace it, you know? Um, when you feel it, when you give it, when you receive it, there's nothing like having unconditional love. And I, and I have surrounded myself with people who I not only give unconditional love to, but I receive unconditional love. And uh, that's another reason why I'm here today, talking to you guys on this podcast, on this beautiful Sunday, in my garage where I've set up my equipment. Uh, we'll be podcasting from the Tidwell's garage going forward. It's really nice. I wouldn't say it's nice and cool in here. It's obviously cooler in my house than it is out here. But um, it'll do. So thank you for joining me. Uh, I will be doing another one. I'm going to release two podcasts this week. So catch me on the next one. Hello, hello, hello. This is uh, the end of the Life of Skinny Fat Girl podcast. Um, this is Cordell coming at you from Tidwell Enterprises. Um, my mom, KT, just got done with one of another great episode of her podcast. And just want to thank you guys for coming out and listening. And uh, just continue to keep listening on. We'll keep giving you guys info and everything and just uh, everything that's going on in our lives. Tidwell Enterprises, thank you guys.